um, to our Sunday morning service. Um, before we start today, you know, how many of you have been blessed by the sermon series rally? Now, I know it's a lot of information, but if you really think about it, think about it. We have been given nothing but pure instructions. The instructions that were given to Timothy, I want you to think about it in a way where, where it's personal. And when I say personal, remember that Paul is addressing a young man, right? And I want to put this picture in your mind. Consider that young man being you, young Christian. Apply that, that name Timothy, and put your name there. Since the beginning of uh, this, this series, you know, we have seen God, through Paul, instructing a young man, which is really us, a young Christian. This letter was written for us to learn how to walk, how not to be afraid, knowing that we would face, and we will face, difficulties. The Christian life is not supposed to be some easy, peachy, never making mistakes or having fought life. You know, we, you know, I like that song that Jason sang at the end where he said, um, if my salvation depended on, on me being good or never making mistakes, boy, we would have never had it. But because of God's great love and mercy, through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and only by only because of what he did, you and I can sit here today and talk about this lesson and all the previous lessons. So before I start, I want to ask you something, and that is to please silence your phones. Put them on vibrate. And uh, let's pray. Above all temples you chiefly prefer, O Holy Spirit, is the heart upright and pure. Please light up in us those things which are dark. And bring your light, Lord Jesus, and purge out from us those things that are not pleasing. And instruct us this morning to walk according to your word, not according to the ways of men. May we learn daily, not just today, to sit with you quietly, with reverence and loyalty and respect and faithfulness. Let the words of my mouth and the, med the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you today, Lord God, as you use me as a vessel, Holy Spirit teacher, Teach us all today as we're almost concluding this letter and instruct us in your ways and your ways alone. Help us to understand that this journey is not easy, but with your power in us and your righteousness that covers us, you do it through us. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to all of us today and those that are watching online and that hearts will be changed and not be the same today. Lord, that we may fully 
seek a deep and personal and intimate relationship with you and not just be religious people from the outside. Let the light that is inside of us shine forth as we not only speak, but as we live our lives with you on a daily basis. We love you and we praise you. And the Church of God says, amen. All right, so today's uh, sermon series, which we are still in rally, today's title is called Endure. And we are going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10, 10 through 17. 10 through 17. There is so much to learn from these seven verses. You know, as we look at this letter, Paul is almost concluding the second letter that he sends to Timothy. And <clears throat> as we look at this, we have to look at us, and I have to ask you a question. How many of us have begun to practice the previous instructions and examples that the Lord has required us to follow? From the beginning of this series when, when we talked about the commission, what we're supposed to be doing, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, to the point where it is a progression. How many, how many of us have begun to meet with people, talk to people, fellowship with people, break bread with people? Those are just the simple, basic things that we were asked to do. But as these letters have gone on, the, the walk, you see the progression of the walk, you know, comes with opposition, false talk, false religion, confusion, people disliking you, and we're called to endure all of it. Last week, Pastor Lewis talked about how we shouldn't get into foolish arguments about religion or about what one person interprets in a verse when another interprets it another. When you can't talk about the word of God peacefully, don't blame each other for being wrong. If you get mad or hostile and there's no gentleness in you, you're both wrong. Because then it's you and not the spirit of God. The Bible says that the spirit of God is gentle gentleman, and if he's the one guiding you, that's the fruit that should grow in you. Week after week and month after month, God never gets tired of instructing us. We know that, right? And if you spend time with God every day in your word, he's constantly instructing you. You can't just come Sunday to be instructed. I'm serious. Because when you're facing throughout the week, you might feel sick or might want to run away. That's not God's fault. That's our fault, right? We love that song that was just played. If it wasn't for his mercy and the power of the blood, right? If it was up to me, there was just no way it could happen. 
But, you know, as you think about that song, you're like, wow. Every day I get new mercies. I receive new grace. I get a brand new start. What I did yesterday, whether it was right or wrong, for the wrong I repented, hey, that's exactly what it is. Let it go. Move on. When you woke up the next day, you had new mercies, new grace. People will judge us. People will criticize us. People will condemn us. But that's just human nature, you know? But God is faithful to his promises. And that's the, that's, that's the most beautiful thing, you know, that God shows us how to be living. And, and he shows us what to expect as a believer who follows Jesus Christ. Not a believer who follows himself. Not a believer who follows people but a believer and follower of Jesus Christ and his word, his word. How many of you know and believe that the word of God, <clears throat> when you speak it into a person, changes that person? How many of you have not understood that yet, that sometimes our best advice or suggestions will never change a human being? But the word of God is alive and active transforming the soul, for that's what the word says. It goes out, and it doesn't return back empty. It might not change the person at the moment, but you can be sure that word has taken root because it's the pure word of God and it's alive. And it's not going to bring God an empty vessel. Not in our timing or his. But there's a process. And this is what Timothy was being taught by a great mentor. Everything that we need to know to live a godly life has been written for us. Why do we have to make up stuff? Ask yourself that. If this book, you believe it to be enough to teach you how to live godly and to say no to the wrong, why do we go to other things? Or trust ourselves. I've always said I'm my worst enemy. I will trip myself into a pit, into a hole, and get stuck there and not know how to get out. And then Satan comes and plays with my head and tells me, oh, you're no good. Look at you, you're, you're messed up. Ah, look at you, you keep making that same mistake. So what? Be quiet. It's not supposed to be changed like that. When Jesus comes and we meet him in the air, it is the only time in the Bible that says that we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye and we shall see him as he is and we shall be just like him. But until that happens, we have struggles. We have persecutions. We have failures. We have weaknesses. Who here is not weak? Ooh, I was waiting for a hand to go up. Who here doesn't fail? Why? Because the Bible is very clear when it says that we are sinners, saved by grace. The only difference is, is that this book teaches us how <clears throat> not to sin. Does it say that we will make mistakes? Of course not. Does it say that we will never sin? Of course not. But it does tell us one beautiful thing, that the precious blood of Jesus Christ 
the moment you surrendered to him, made you righteous with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We get to wear his righteousness because we don't have none of our own. People expect us to walk all, you know, oh, well, you go to church. You shouldn't be that way. But we're called to be examples of him too. How can we be examples? How can we be examples if we don't take time to read the word of God? Are you trying to look good all by yourself? Do you go around talking, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But when people look at your life, they say, oops. If that's what a Christian is like, I might as well stay where I'm at. What kind of example are we being today? So today we're going to continue with what Paul is instructing Timothy to stand up. The truth about the Lord Jesus Christ and the teachings taught to him as a child. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you to personalize this again. Remember, in the place of Timothy, put your name. You, young Christian, me as a young Christian, are being, we're being instructed today by a mentor. But more than a mentor, we are being instructed today by the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. So please personalize this and take this very serious. Because it's the Lord who's going to speak to you this morning and to me. 2 Timothy 3.10 says this. But you, Timothy, or young Christian, certainly know what I teach and how I live. What my, my, what my purpose in life is, you know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. Let's look at this for a moment. And I, I want to try to break this down as best as I can. And we're going to be going back and forth two verses. Ha! So, so for those of you who don't come to Bible study, today is going to be a Bible study. Bible studies is where you will grow. Paul was telling Timothy, or us young Christians, here that he did not hide the way he lived or what he believed from anyone. Do you go around denying what you believe in? Or do you stand on your faith and say, it is an honor to be called a Christian? Not only just caught, but because they see your example in everyday life. And I'm not talking about talking religiously, being a Bible thumper. I'm talking about in your actions, in your words, in how you treat people. This is what Paul was telling Timothy. The way Paul conducted his life spoke for him. Does your life speak for you? Or do you have to brag and say, well, you know, this is what I do. And this is, I do this in church, I do that in church, or, or this is how I talk to people so they can believe that I'm a Christian? Or does your life, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, show from the inside out? When you show love, is it genuine? Or is it, I love you because of? Or is it because I love you in spite of? 
in spite of your mess, in spite of your weaknesses. And guess what? Just because you're not where I am today, I'm going to be sharing with you. No. Love, the love that God shows us is in spite of. And that's the love we should have for one another. Is love, do you love? For those that are married, your husbands and your wives and your children, in spite of the messes that we make? Do you love people in spite of the mess that they are? Do you want to see them get better? Well, Paul, in Paul's life, as he was writing this letter to Timothy, there was something beautiful that he, he, that Timothy knew about him, and we should know too. And this is important. Paul was totally dedicated to the service of the Lord, and he taught what doctrine. What is a, doc, a doctrine? A doctrine is something that tells you what to believe. That's what a doctrine is. A doc, the Bible, pure and undefiled doctrine, the pure word of God. It tells you who to believe in. But the choice is up to human beings to make. So Timothy and us know today that this word of God is the doctrine that we stand on. Paul's faith was not shaken by the hardships and persecutions that came to him. He suffered long. The strikes, the beatings, the shipwrecks, and the utter hate that his Jewish fellows had toward him. Pay attention to that for a second, because look at this. He even waited patiently for years to be tried for the things he was not guilty of. Remember why Paul went to prison? Remember why Paul was martyred later on. It wasn't because he was a criminal hurting people well, at first, right? When he was Saul, think God has to change your name. Like we will all have a different name in heaven. But notice that he was tried, persecuted, and went through those hardships because of his faith. Ask yourself something. How many, of here, how many of you here go through hardships? Disappointment, right? Well, how many of you have, how many of you have been shipwrecked? Beat with, um, beat, uh, I, think, I think when you study the word, Paul was whipped with a whip at least with 30 or 40 lashes almost five times during his ministry for the Lord. How many of you have been whipped? Right? How many of you have been um, accused to the point of death? And yet, any little disappointment to us or any failure, and we want to quit. That is so foolish, isn't it? But here we're receiving examples, examples that no matter what, We need to understand our salvation, what we have been given. And how precious is your, your faith and your salvation to you? 
Do you truly appreciate the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross? Do you really, really understand that it comes with a cost? You know what the cost is? Being all in. Being all in and sharing in the sufferings of Christ. We, not, we might not be put on a cross, but we have a cross to pick up daily, right? What's the cross for? To put dead things that have nothing to do with God and leave them there. Your old nature, your old attitude, your old behavior, your words, your actions, that's where you leave them because you have been born again. We see Paul letting us know that when we are followers of Jesus Christ, we must remain true to what we profess and live by example of what we preach. Are you guys standing on what you profess and what you preach? See, thy own self be true. God knows every single heart that is here today. He knows the superficial Christian. He knows the Christian that says he's a Christian, but when he's not here, he's like everybody else. But the Lord is going to, the beautiful thing is that, like that song said, because of his mercy, his love, and the precious blood of Jesus, we are made right with God. Hallelujah for that. How do we do this? We are to read the word of God and practice what it says on our own? No. Through the power of the Holy Spirit of God that has been given to us. You know we have a helper every day, all day? But more than that, I want you to think and ask yourself this. How is your relationship with Jesus Christ on a personal level? Seriously. What does that mean? We say we love Jesus, right? We say we love God, right? But a person who loves somebody spends time with that person, doesn't he? How many of you are really, really giving the Lord what he pays for? Does that make sense to you guys? Do you give him what you owe him on a daily basis? And that's everything? You are no longer your owners? Though we act like we, do, we are sometimes, right? We do what we feel like it. Well, this is what God wants to teach us. How to endure today. In our life, we are to demonstrate our faith, be patient, be loving, and have endurance, never wanting to quit because it is difficult. That is to endure, brothers and sisters, in the midst of hardships. You know that Paul had even fought hard, even in Jerusalem, for what he believed the doctrine of the church should be? He conducted his life in a manner of self-sacrifice. He had endured stoning and many hardships to bring the message of the gospel to an unsaved world. How many of us do that? How many, how many of us show our faith to Jesus, about Jesus with people? in spite of what they think about us or how they might treat us, whether they laugh at us or point the finger at us, call, your holy, call us holy, holy rollers or whatever they want to call us. 
or to tell you, oh, you think you don't stink now because you go, you go to church. No, it's not about going to church. It's about serving my master. And when the world sees that, they don't like me for it. When the world is confronted <coughs> excuse me, with the word of God, ooh, they get hostile. When you tell, when we were told, when we were in the world at one time, when we were told the truth, we were like, we growled at it because we didn't want to change our ways. Well, this is what God does for us. He is so good and patient that he, he, he works with us, you know. The thing is that the Christian life is a progression. As a young Christian, you are never to be stuck. You are either going forward or you're going to be going backwards. But it doesn't mean that you won't make mistakes. It, won't, it doesn't mean that you might oh, slip and, 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 and sin. The most important thing to do is to repent and run back to the Lord and say, Lord, I was wrong. Please help me not to do that again. And move forward. Move forward. 2 Timothy 3.11 says, You know how much persecution and suffering I endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord, the Lord rescued me from all of it. So persecution is from a Greek verb that literally means to be put to flight. Have you guys ever been um, preaching the word of God and put to flight? Probably not. Probably not. But he was put to flight. So as we look at, at, um, at Acts 9, 23 to 25, to know what he went through, let's look at it. Acts 9, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. How many of you ever been at that point to be killed for your faith? But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. Why was Paul sharing this with Timothy? Let's look at Acts 13.50. Acts 13.50 says, But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of the high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. That was in Antioch. So in Iconium, from Iconium, Acts 14.6 says, but they found out about, about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding country. From Thessalonica, Acts 17, verse 10 says, As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Acts 17, 14 says, 
The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. You see where Timothy shows up? Timothy was a native of Lystra. Acts, Acts 61 says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. See, the word doesn't just take you to a letter without showing you where it began. It began. The word shows you exactly where to find. Where did he meet Timothy? In Lystra. And when he met Timothy, Timothy had been raised by his grandmother and his uh, mother. His father was a Greek, so we don't know what, what, what was his belief. But we know that his mother and grandmother were Jewish, Jewish believers. So they taught Timothy from the Old Testament because that's all they had back then. The, two te the New Testament hadn't been written yet. But Timothy was an eyewitness in three cities of what Paul had been through. And he called them a disciple, a student. All of us are disciples here. We're students of God, right? At least I hope we are. And this is every day. This is not just sometimes. Timothy was a native, a native of Lystra. So he saw these persecutions. But Paul says in, in Acts 26, 16 and 17, this is what Paul says. Though all these persecutions were happening to him, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. So look at this. This is the word of God. Here, Paul, here, Paul, is verse 17 up there? I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them. Why was Paul telling uh, uh, Timothy this, and why is God telling this us today? Because just as God was faithful to Paul, in spite of his persecutions and hardships, the Lord lets us know, just like he did Paul, that he, was, he will rescue us. That the persecutions that we go through here not, were not unto death. Because we know that Paul didn't get put to death until he was in Rome. So he was able to accomplish the work that God had for him to do. And he was telling Timothy, Timothy, look. You have seen for yourself the hardships I've had to endure. But I am encouraging you that the Lord is going to be with you also. All you have to do is show up. You know, in the previous lessons, we, we, we learned that we are soldiers. We are athletes, right? We are soldiers. There was one more. But think about it. It says that a soldier enlisted in the army, or us young Christians enlisted in the army of God, you know, we are trying to please our commanding officer, Jesus Christ. So we don't get caught up in these civilian affairs. We don't get caught up in worldly things. Again, once you've been saved. Your life is to please Jesus Christ. This is what Paul was telling, telling uh, um, um, Timothy. Run this race. 
Don't look to the left nor to the right. How, how many people here have ever heard of Pilgrim's Progress? Ooh. So some of you know already that in Pilgrim's Progress, when young Christian decides to follow and get to the city, the city of light, the city of righteousness, he starts out and, and the evil one and evil people try to stop you from moving into your calling. And that is what we go through every single day. When even people around us try to stop us from obeying the Lord. But young Christian, at times, when, when Pilgrim's Progress, he gets off the road. He gets off the road sometimes and messes up. And he cries out to the shepherd, cries out to help. And there's always the Lord Jesus appearing. Come on. Again, let me tell you, stay on the path. He tells them, don't go this way, don't go that way. Stay on the path that I tell you to walk on. A lot of times we make a lot of paths. We get off the path. Oh, just for a little bit. I want to dip in that here. And we get in trouble, don't we? Young Christian ended up in the mud, back under. He ended up trapped with a companion that later on, on joined them. And we are all companions to one another. We walk this road together. And God uses us with each other when we start getting off that road to say, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, get back over here. Because if a blind man leads the blind, we will all eventually fall into the same ditch. Jesus said that. So think about it. How are you leading? Because remember, I heard Pastor Lewis say it last week. You are all leaders. You're either leading your family. You're either leading a ministry. You're leading one another. Or you're leading yourself. How are you leading yourself and how are you being led? You know what's the funny thing? That it says that the Jews were the ones who persecuted Paul the most. These are supposedly believers, right? His people. Don't find it strange when your families don't like you no more. Don't be people pleasers. If you live to please people, you already made a mistake. If you go to the Proverbs in chapter 3, it says very clearly, find favor with God first, and then God lets make you find favor with men. But we're too busy trying to find favor with men. We get off the path. Good luck with that. People are never satisfied. There's nothing that you could ever do that, that would ever be enough. Even sometimes with our own husbands and wives. There's never enough. I need you to do something else. You're driving me crazy. You know? And then you're stressed out. You're talking about, I'm stressed out. You're stressed out because you're starting this mess. All that control doesn't lead nowhere. But when we are led by the Spirit and the Word of God, boy, is there peace, is there harmony. Isn't that beautiful? So Paul tells Timothy and us, don't get off the path. Don't get off the path. 
Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, now for yourselves, you got to look at this. The reason why I love when people look at the word of God is because, guess what? I didn't say it. It is written. You have no excuse. When things start happening, oh, I didn't know it was this way. It's not always bad. The thing is that with the Spirit of God, we can go through things and still have a peace of mind. How many of you can say, yes, that is true? We go through disappointments and hardships, but I still have a peace of mind. In the midst of it all, I don't feel like quitting. Even if we make mistakes, I don't feel like quitting. Lord, I was wrong, but I don't want to quit. I remember when I started saying that to the Lord, my whole life changed. So back to the verse says, yes, in fact, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, oh, we'll suffer persecution. Listen, that's why I said, do you know the salvation you have been called to? And do you still say, yes, Lord, I am in. I am in. I am in until you come to get me. Or even if I die, I know where I'm going. Do you understand that? This is what you've been called to. So whoever tells you that, once you become a Christian, everything is, whoa. Yes, everything's going to be fine now. And then a brick hits you. That's not supposed to happen. I'm a Christian. Bad things ain't supposed to happen to me. Guess what? You'll be the most hated living being in God's creation when you turn your heart and your life over to Jesus Christ. Why? Because if they persecuted him and put him on a cross, what do you think is going to happen to him? If they did it to our master, we might as well share in it. Because you're going to have Christians who are all in, and you're going to have superficial Christians who say, yes, yes, you know, yeah, and, but then when it gets hard, they run. And then they end up in a worse place than the ones that they were in before. But Jesus always has a way to come back and say, come on, get back on the path. Isn't that beautiful? That's who our God is. He never leaves us hopeless, and this is what Paul was teaching uh, Timothy. You're never out of hope until you give up hope. See, we get, choi- we get a choice in this, <clears throat> and the choice that we get is to accept Jesus Christ. When you accept Jesus Christ, you accept everything that comes with God on him. And when you understand that, what you've been enlisted to, you have that decision to say, yes, Lord, I'm either all in, or I'm not. Remember, God doesn't desire that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he will not force anybody. And if you're used to your own way, to your own religion that you've made up somehow, some way, that you say, well, this is the way it should be, but it has nothing to do with the word of God, it is just your bondage and your religion. God didn't say what Jesus said. And that's why we must stay true to the word. That's what um, Paul was telling Timothy. And yeah, us, young Christians, we're all young. We're all young in the faith. We grew up being told some stuff, right? 
And that started. That started something in us. That's why I said when you speak the word into somebody, don't think that it's never going to take effect. Sooner or later, God will bring it to light. Somebody might water it, but God makes it come to light. Right? So, I know that this is one of those scriptures that many of us want to avoid or skip. Right? We don't want to hear, huh? And anybody who's going to follow Jesus Christ is going to be persecuted. Right? We'll read the whole Bible except that one verse. Yes. In fact, for sure, you're going to suffer for Christ. <gasps> no. That's not supposed to happen. Well, but faithful believers, if you're a faithful believer here today and listening online, you must expect persecution and suffering at the at the hands of a Christ-rejecting world. Why do we get persecuted? Because the world rejects Christ. And if you belong to Christ, guess what? You get what he gets. Rejection. John, John 15, verse 18 through 21 say, John 18 through 21. Let me look it up. Put it. Oh, right here. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. This is Jesus talking. This is Jesus talking. Keep in mind, okay? If you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But ha I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Isn't that beautiful? Think about it. That hate word don't, don't mean nothing because you see that he says, God himself personally says about you, I have chosen you. I have chosen you. That should be your encouragement. The world didn't have to choose you. You didn't have to choose it. God chose you before the world began. Isn't that a joy? To some people, they might find that uh, they might find that like scary. Oh no, I'm gonna be rejected because they they they, they don't finish reading where it says, "I have chosen you." Remember what I told you: a servant is not greater than his master. Who's our master? Jesus, exactly. If they persecuted me, Jesus says, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Isn't that beautiful? We have the word of God to learn and then teach it to others. So if they obeyed, so if they obeyed what Jesus said, just like we are obeying today, when you speak this word into people, they'll obey it too. Not only because you're speaking that word, but because the word, word takes root. And it's the spirit that begins to change the heart. But it is your responsibility to open up your mouth. It is your responsibility to reach people, to reach the lost. Not to say, oh, because I'm a Christian, I don't talk to such people. No. It's not to engage. You, we, we are supposed to engage people. We just don't get caught up in their mess. 
we just don't do what they do. We don't get into gossips and slanders and all these things are putting people down. We just don't do those things. We show the opposite. Hey, I was a hot mess. I was like you at one time. And uh, I found myself crying out to God and saying, Lord, only you can help me. Please save me. And when he came, he changed everything. So what he did for me, I, would, I want you to know that that's what I'm praying that he would do for you. The same joy that I have, that you may have it even in the midst of your hardships, your persecutions, your sufferings, whatever they might be, that you would still have that love and joy in your heart. They will treat you this way because of my name. Whose name? Right, every time you say, yeah, I, yeah, I'm a follower. I'm a believer and follower, not just, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. When I am a believer and follower of Jesus Christ and his ways, right? For they do not know me, they do not know the one who sent me. They will treat you this, they will treat you this way because of my name. So there you have it. Jesus said it himself. He warned us a, a, lo a long time before. Um, he spoke this to Peter and all his disciples and the people that hang around with him and told them, listen, guys, because you put your faith in me and people don't know who I am, you know, I am the creator of the heavens and the earth. So I have come in a human body to the earth. Here I am, God in the flesh, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in one body and people that I've created with my own hands out of the dust of the, of the earth, reject me. Everything rejects me, its maker. But when you became a, a son and daughter of the Most High God, isn't that an honor? Isn't that an honor? This should bring always joy in the midst of your persecutions and hardships. This should always encourage you when everybody else and the whole world is telling you, oh, you're not going to make it. You're a nobody. Oh, look at you. You messed up again. And they look down on you and try to make you um, feel worthless. You can always turn to your maker and say, Lord, I know you chose me, but I need you to change me again. Help me correct my mistakes. Help me do better. I know in this world I'll never be perfect, but at least help me be the person that you want me to be and to do what I'm supposed to do. Second Timothy 3.13 says, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. See, the reason why it is so important for you to read the word is that, is that you're not caught by surprise and say, oh, I didn't know. You think being, telling you every time, telling you guys all the time, please read your Bibles is for nothing? There is a spirit of antichrist that's been out there for a very long time, for a very long time. We even heard Pastor Lewis read chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, last week, which talked about what people are going to be like in the end times. What does that tell you? Don't we see that today? Don't we see chapter 3, 1 through 9? 
And people will be boastful, proud, haters of God, lovers of themselves. Hating what is good. Disobedient to parents. Unholy, unthankful, greedy, lovers of money. Don't we see that today? But the key word is last days. We are living in times where the Bible even says that churches will look just like this. Empty. That's probably apostasy. The great falling away. People believing false messages and lies. Making the Bible say what they want to. Bringing, bringing what is from a spiritual realm to a worldly way of living or humanly. Oh, I want to, I will only accept it if it, if it, if it, if it, um, if it blends in with what I think and I believe. Not what God says. I wish I had the video that I showed uh, the Bible, the Bible study group. Where there's this man, um, a whole thing, Luis something and and we were looking at false antichrist in our days. And here's this man who has planted over 100 churches and has all his members getting a tattoo with the 666 saying, do not believe what Jesus the Nazarene says. I am, I am the embodiment, embodiment of Jesus. Now, this was just recently in the 2015, 2014. And this video, I wish I had it. Come to Bible studies and you'll see it. That is not the only video that is out there. We have the Waco, Texas thing. We have all those false teachers that cause people to kill themselves by suicide. Promising them that as soon as they close their eyes, they will wake, wake up in paradise. They woke up in hell. And they use the word of God. That's why you have to be careful and divide the word rightly. The word defines itself. That's why you see me going back to verses, because it shows you what God says. Not what I'm trying to make up here for you guys. And look at this. False teachers will become more and more successful until Christ comes. Successful in what? And deceiving even if they're carrying the Christian. And many have already fallen for that. I have personally heard people say, where is this Jesus that they've been talking about? They've been talking about that for 2,000 years and it still doesn't happen. That's not going to happen. Because the Bible is just a good book to keep people like in, to believe something. Those who deny God will say such a foolish thing. But a fool says in his heart that there is no God, says Proverbs. A fool, right? Second, uh, Second Thessalonians verse 11 says this. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. Who sends it? God does. Who does he send it to? Those who refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. You know, people will be like, oh, but why would God do such a thing? You have rejected his son. You have rejected the hope. You have rejected the truth. So guess what? Since you didn't accept my son while you had the chance on the earth, now you will believe the lie and you will perish. It's sad, isn't it? 
And those that are deceived then leave the Lord. Unless they repent, they'll also be deceived. Because in Revelation, I know it says it, that if it were not because of the elect and God shortening those days that are coming, tribulation, the great tribulation, no flesh will be saved. Though Paul was talking about the Antichrist here, when you go and read that chapter, the, fir the, verse, the verse that says that God is sending a powerful delusion so that human beings that did not put their trust in Jesus Christ are going to be deceived. Is God unfair? Of course he's not. He's been patient enough. And he's still patient. And he will be patient in the great, in the tribulation, and the great tribulation until all the souls of men, women, and children who are in the book of life are saved. You know, what's funny is that, and it's not funny, is that when we think about end times, we think about not only our time, but from the moment that Jesus rose from the cross, the clock toward the end of time, till the end of human life on the earth began. The clock is ticking, and one day we'll stop. Just as surely as the doors from the ark were closed and no one can get in no more. When Jesus comes and the Father says enough. Remember what John the Baptist started preaching. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The doors are open right now. Come in everybody come in. The door is Jesus Christ. He is the the gate to receive him. He says it of himself in one of the parables. No thief can jump over the wall. But there are men and women out there who are preaching a lie. And they're going to become successful. They will be successful in deceiving many people. And if you don't know your Bible, you don't read your Bible, be careful. Beware. This is a beware. Beware that you don't know these things and that you should be led astray by something that sounds close to the truth. Hmm? The clock is ticking. But the point that as we study scripture, we see that the churches back then needed encouragement, just like we need them today. You know, the churches back then, you know, right after Jesus rose and the church began on the earth, they started to have troubles. Why? Because from the beginning, when the church started to spread across uh, um, in the first century, right, the Jews, the Judaizers were saying, no, 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 you can't do that. You still have to get circumcised. You still have to do this. You still have to do it this way in order to be accepted by God. While the gospel was saying, hey, come as you are. Come as you are. I accept you as you are. Just put your faith in me and what I have done for you on the cross, and you will be saved. Let my righteousness be in you, 
and let my spirit guide you every single day and show you how to live. See, we can't, we can't do this by ourselves. We need each other for one, and we need, we most definitely need the power of the Holy Spirit. So they had trouble then, and they needed correcting. As you read the, the, the letters in the Bible, Paul wrote a lot, of, a lot of letters, and even Peter, correcting the believers. Hey, no, 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 listen, don't listen to those people. And then in Galatians, he said, who bewitched you? Who bewitched you? You started out right, but how are you being led astray to do it your way or a man's way? Why have you not stood with a pure word, which is what Paul was telling Timothy. Listen, don't deviate from the word. Don't deviate what you've seen me stand on. Don't turn to the left, to the right, from what the scriptures say. Don't turn away from this book and do not make it say what you want it to say. Look at the examples and apply them to your life and know that it's coming for you too. It is coming. The only way that we can bring down, like the Bible says, bring down principalities and powers is when is to confront them. False doctrines, how do we confront them? With the pure word of God. Well, you might say that, but this is what the word of God says. That's what you got to look at. 2 Timothy 3.14 says, but you... But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. So we, as we read this, we learn, as you read the scripture, that Timothy's uh, mentors and, and, and first teachers were his grandmother and his mother. And they taught Timothy from the Old Testament that Jesus Christ will one day come. So when Paul came preaching, Timothy's heart would already know to believe the gospel. To believe the gospel. Do you believe the gospel? You know, and another thing is that even Abraham and Moses talked about the coming of the king. Even they knew he was coming. And therefore, they wrote about him. They wrote about him. And this is the same thing for us. We must stay true to the word of God. He had a good heritage. He had a good mentor. Some of us had parents that raised us up in church or told us about God, right? At one point or another. Some of us didn't. Right? But somehow, some way, you're here today. Right? Because your name was written in the book of life. Isn't that powerful? Continue. Continue to be mentored and come to Bible study. You have no excuse today. Tuesdays is open to everybody and anybody. You know, what does it cost you? I mean, I'm pretty sure if you have to run out for anything else, You'll, you'll make time, right? But for what really matters, which is to grow in your faith and in the word of the Lord, will you make time for that? Will you really, really consider 
a person on intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what Timothy was taught. This is what it was meant for. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, You have been taught the Holy Scripture from childhood, and have and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. Who? Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 4, chapter 4 says, verse 1 through 3, What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh was covered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he has something to brag about or boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Galatians 3.24 tells us. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. How many of you are growing in your faith today? How many of you depend on your own goodness or your own righteousness to get you through your life? Well, the same way Paul was telling Timothy, listen, Timothy, let the word guide you. Let the truth guide you is what God tells us today. Stop messing around. Stop messing around. Stop putting God to the corner. Stop putting his word to the corner and engage in it. There's a lot of uh, small groups that meet throughout the week. Man, engage in one of those. You can't make it to the study on Tuesday nights, which I encourage you to do. Come. They're fun. They're fun. You know, and you will grow. You will grow. The only way for us to grow spiritually is to be fed with spiritual food. So, don't hesitate no more. And let's get busy with God's business. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Don't you guys want to live that way? Right? Don't you guys want to know what's wrong in us? Don't you guys want to be corrected? Well, let God correct you. Let me break this down really quick. What is scripture? Scripture is the word of God both in the Old Testament and the New Testament as proven to be accurate, called the oracles of God, which cannot be altered or changed. Don't ever try to change the word of God. Inspired means God breathed these words. Sometimes God spoke directly, like with Jeremiah and others. But more often, God used their minds, vocabularies, and experiences to produce his infallible, perfect word. Doctrine. The scripture provides the comprehensive and complete body of divine truth necessary for life and godliness. Reproof. Rebuke for wrong behavior or wrong belief. Correction. The restoration of something to its proper condition, like all of us. Instruction in righteousness. 
Scripture provides positive training and godly behavior, not merely rebuke and correction for wrong behavior all the time. Inspiration, the supernatural guidance of the, the writers of Scripture by the Holy Spirit of God, so that what they wrote was the divine word of God, accurately, reliable, which Timothy had and we also have today. And the last verse says, 2 Timothy 3.17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. If you guys go home, read this over and over again, it tells you exactly what you need to live a godly life. Some, some Bible versions say, so that the man of God may be perfect. Thoroughly furnished for all good works. Perfect doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. It's just you don't use the word of God to make mistakes. You don't use it to, 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 to do with it what you want. And in closing, I'm going to give you two more verses. It goes back to chapter 2, verse 20. Chapter 2, verse 20, which says... In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver. Some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, 21 says, if you keep yourself pure, well, let me, let me tell you this one. In the Greek word, it was very general to use or describe various tools. Some to honor, as we look at this verse. Those made of wood and of earth were not for honorable use, but rather uses which were repulsive, disposing of garbage and the filthy waste of the household. This is probably deemed um, speaking of the different types of people who make up the church. Pay attention to this. Some of the people who profess Christianity do not have a deep walk with God. In fact, some of them are like the wood spoken of here. Wood symbolizes the world. This means that they have not gotten the world out of their walk. The earth is the same thing. Their Christianity will not hold water. The silver means redemption. I would say the vessel of silver has experienced redemption. Which one are you? They would know Jesus as Savior. That's the silver. The vessel of gold would be the one who made Jesus Christ the Lord of his life as well as Savior. They would be letting Christ live in them. Gold symbolizes God. Those who have not given up their worldly ways would be vessels of dishonor. The silver and gold would be vessels of honor. These vessels of dishonor are like the lukewarm Christians who has not allowed God to remove the world from their life. And the last, the last verse, which was, if you keep yourself clean, which is verse 21, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instrumental for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So you see whether 
of earthen or wood that can be cleansed. Watch this. This is beautiful. So, you know, it's funny because I don't know how I lost it, but <laughs> it happens. But I don't I do know that I have it here because I did. I did take it. And it says, so if a man purges, purges. Well, think about, let me, let me put it like this. Whether, whether wood or earth, if it's thoroughly clean with the precious blood of Jesus, that which was called dishonorable or useless can become a use for the master. Because I'm pretty sure I was earth. <laughs> and I was wood. But when Jesus took over, I became silver and gold. And that's, that is exactly what you become when, like Timothy, you can accept the hardships, the persecution, and everything that comes your way, knowing and understanding today that if Jesus went through it, the apostles went through it, the believers went through it, Timothy was going through it, now we will also go through it. So get ready. Get ready. Because it will come. And when it does, what are you going to rely on? Will you rely on the word and on the power of God? Or will you try to figure it out yourself? So let's stand up. I hope you guys got a lot out of this. And I hope that it was instructional. And I hope that we can all begin to practice this. If you were not practicing it before, so far this series, this series has been broken down in a lot of pieces. Now, it's like I tell everybody, don't expect to learn everything in one day. This is a lifelong process. So I, I always tell the, the group um, at the Bible study that there are four things you need to read the Bible. One is repetition. The second is comprehension. The other one is a C2. So is repetition, comprehension. Um, the last one is reflection. But repetition of the word of God, no matter how many times you read it, all concentration. So you need repetition, comprehension, concentration. Reflection is how you show it, that you live it. But read the word over and over and over until it makes sense to you. Because you can be sure a year later when you read it again, it's going to say something more. It's not going to take away what you read. It's just going to add to your learning. Why? Because you're growing. And I pray that if there is anybody out there who does not, does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and has not begun this walk, let me tell you like this. It's beautiful in spite of how hard it might seem to us sometimes. Because when you give your life to Christ, that means you're giving up. And everything that you thought. 
your old life is doing. And we don't want to hold on to nothing because we can't take it, anything anyway. But the Lord wants to renew you, renew your spirit, renew your mind, empower you with his spirit and his wisdom. The wisdom of God is his word. And when we receive Jesus, we receive the wisdom of God because he is the wisdom of God. So if you want to be wise, accept Jesus Christ. Proverbs says, um, Proverbs 6.20 says, it really is really simple. Oh, 13.20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. <laughs> so, brothers and sisters, um, let us not forget to continue to pray for Kathy, for Heidi. You know that the Lord will continue to um, strengthen them. Pray for Pastor Lewis, you know, back's been hurting. And, uh, yeah, and pray for all your brothers and sisters that you know. or And start reaching out. For those of you who have uh, numbers, start calling your brothers and sisters that you have not seen for a while. And encourage them. Encourage them. Love on them. Meet them where they're at, not where you want them to be. And uh, with that, thank you, Heavenly Father, for again speaking to us. Thank you for this time with you. Thank you that nobody ran out the doors when they hear the truth. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with the spirit of Jesus Christ this morning and help us not to just take this word today and forget about it as soon as we get home, but that this, this word would trouble us in our hearts and in our spirits, that it would make us uncomfortable not to be complacent, not to be laid back, not to sit at home and not care about people. I pray that we would take this word and that we would put it into practice. And that we would understand like Timothy began to understand. That as all of us young Christians begin to walk this walk. He is not alone. He is not alone. We are not alone. But we have the king of kings and the lord of lords. The creator of the heaven and earth. Who desires to live in all of us. So Lord guide our steps. Guide our, guide our week. And Lord love your children with one another and father thank you again for the great sacrifice that was made for us and the precious blood that was shed so that we could all become the children in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus thank you for accepting us thank you for your love thank you for your mercy and your grace now get us home safely and teach us throughout the week May everybody here begin to open their Bibles and spend time together with each other and read it to one another. We love you and we praise you. And the church of God says, amen. amen.